Welcome to the There's More podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kara. And we are helping women dream bigger, pray bolder, and live in power. And today we're being joined down under yes. by Chad Mansbridge, who is just a really cool new guy that oh we have found. Goodness. He authored this incredible book called He Qualifies Me and just has incredible you resources. You. Qualifies oh, <laughs> you or me, whoever. But anyways, he just has a real understanding of of really the covenants and the new covenant that we're in. And that might be like, oh, that sounds a little boring. Trust me. It is literally describing the relationship that you have with God. And yeah. so it is so important. So we think you're just going to enjoy, yeah. just totally enjoy being enlightened by what the revelation that God has given him around our covenant that we're yeah. in. Welcome to the There's More podcast. Welcome, Chad Mansbridge, to the There Is More podcast. I mean, we are talking to a guy in Australia, in Atlanta. This is so fun. And I know I shouldn't be like amused with technology, but oh, for I was some like, reason. Does the internet still work this far? <laughs> Does it work this far? <laughs> We're like, we did it. We did it. It's 9 a.m. your time, right? A whole day ahead. Is that correct? No. No, you girls, this is fantastic for me because it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. That's why the sun's shining oh, through okay. this, uh, oh, this window. Wow. But typically when I do a podcast in the States, I'm, like this morning, I had a 4.30 a.m. Oh uh, podcast in the States because of the time difference. But you're right. It's uh, We're a day ahead of you uh, down here. So tomorrow at 1 p.m. I just found that wow, so fascinating. Wow, you could like prophesy into our future and no one would <laughs> yes, know do it. that it's let, just Let me just tell change. you. <laughs> Tomorrow's awesome. It's great. You're gonna have it's a sunny. you're gonna have a great day. You can prophesy the weather. We are. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's kind of well, we are just honored. And mm-hmm. Chad wrote a book, which is why you're here, called He Qualifies mm-hmm. You. And my our mentor, and she works with us now, Robin Johnson, said it is the best book she's ever read on Grace, and she gives mm-hmm. it to everyone. And I was like, well. I must read it. That is saying a lot. It is tiny. It is the teeniest little book. And it is so packed, full of just the gospel. (laughs) I'm picturing this miniature book. It is tiny. It's the tiniest. It's a regular size book. No, it's actually pretty small. I mean, compared to, look at it. Look. I mean, my copy is very short and tiny. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't have like like that. I have like, I guess an updated version. I got it off Amazon, but anyway, and then you wrote this book called you can handle the truth, which I mean, I felt like I was with this brother who runs be still in Australia because it truly Mm -hmm. is like what we want for people to read the word, how we want them to read the word. You are just a deep well of fascination. I'm going to stop talking. Just tell us a little bit how you got here because if people don't know you, it's like your story is so fascinating. Wow. Well, well right now where <laughs> I'm speaking, for those of you watching on video, I'm in a uh, newly renovated studio space. The walls aren't even on yet. So yeah, welcome to the future. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure... I'm not sure it would look quite as good as what the girls have got here, but I'm, we're going to do our best, okay? <laughs> yes. At least you know that the stuff behind the scenes is really good. good. Uh, but no, listen, at the, actually, at the moment, I live uh, in the northern beaches of New South Wales. Many of your, uh, I guess, American listeners, overseas listeners would have heard of the uh, the city called Sydney. Sydney uh, is a bit like New York. It's not the capital 
city of Australia is in the political capital, but it's the big city yeah. that everybody knows about. Well, Sydney is uh, the capital of this, this state, uh, New South Wales, and we're about five or six hours drive north. So subtropical environment right on the coast. It's a surfing uh, beach uh, type of type of environment. So and we've only just moved here in the last few months. I spent the last 20 years of my life uh, in South, well, actually all of my life in South Australia, mm. uh, which is in the middle of Australia, down the bottom, because uh, um, which is yeah on the on the Southern Ocean, and uh, and then we recently relocated up here. God spoke to us. Uh, we handed over the church that we, uh, my wife and I, Jay, had planted or planted, you might say. Planted <laughs> um, at twenty three years old, yeah, by the way. At, at twenty three, so it gives Crazy. away our age. But we were we led that church for twenty years, and literally God spoke to us mid July. Uh, there's a whole nother story about how that happened, but. Um, um. But uh, just said 20 years was our allocated time. And literally the way that it panned out is our farewell service was uh, our church's 20th birthday party. We we joined the two together oh, and we were farewelled in September last year, 22, and have moved up here. So not 100% sure what our ministry life looks like here yet. We've just had a summer sabbatical, of course, here in Australia, Christmas, New yes. Year's, December, January. That's our summer season. Everything's yeah. reversed down here. Okay. So we've just had uh, a summer sabbatical and are just now starting to get back into uh, ministry zone and uh, looking for work opportunities and, and knocking on the doors to see what that next thing is. Wow. Uh, the Goodness. reason that we've moved here, which is still not clear to us. Yeah. Wow. That's so exciting. So living by faith. Yeah. I'm like, golly. I mean, that is so, it's so beautiful to see people who are that brave, mm -hmm. honestly, with a family. You and know mind what I mean? you, that's a long way. That's yeah. like saying I moved from Houston to, you know, the LA. East, yeah, like, no, Houston, New York. Yeah. I mean, it's a long it, way. That's a big oh, wow. jump. Wow. Well, over, over the last, as we've bought a house here and have moved up, and of course, COVID was slowing down flights to get in here to have a look. And so wow. uh, I've driven here quite a few times from Victor Harbour, where I'm from in South Australia. It's a 20 hour drive. Wow. And uh, so I have done that. I have done that a few times. Wow. But listen, at the end of the day, that's what we Christians do. You know, we, we come to Christ, <laughs> right. we sign a blank check. For those of you who are old enough to know what mm. a check is, we sign a blank check to say, Lord, yeah. You, you fill in the dots, and that's this is it. this is my life. That's the sacrifice. Uh, that's well, the sac sacrifice life. You know. Tell yeah, us a little bit is. about because there's so many th directions we could go with this conversation, and um, I want to get into practically all of them. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about your particular faith journey, because I know you know, like Rachel and I, you you love the gospel of grace. You love the good news that it is finished. That that He's done it all. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, is this is this who you've always been? I mean, you plan a church at 23. That's like a little bit out of the ordinary. Tell us some of your journey. <laughs> I think the nutshell would be that uh, I had the privilege and my wife did it as well, which is quite a unique thing. But we both of us grew up in a Christian household. Both of us have parents that are still married. Mm. Uh, both of us grew up in fairly decent homes. And so the advantage that that has given us in life is quite an amazing thing. You know, I was yeah. talking to a friend <laughs> the other day about there's a lot said in, in social circles about certain kinds of privilege that people have in our society, you know, fill in the gap, yeah. this type of privilege, right? How about parents are still married privilege? I mean, that right. is an incredible wow, privilege that, that I have, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, so I think just growing up in a Christian household, my parents were part of the charismatic Jesus people uh, days. And somewhere along the line, my father uh, really got into un an understanding of grace uh, so much so that he moved our family uh, to another city an hour what? away to be with a friend who was preaching what he saw as being a grace 
message where he was struggling in the church that he was in. And so literally relocated us as a seven-year-old wow. kid, I think I was at the time, to support this pastor friend who has become known in South Australia, at least in some circles, as an apostle of grace, that wow. particular gentleman. And so he's now a full-time Bible teacher. So I kind of grew up in that kind of uh, I guess, healthy understanding as a child. But mm. the idea of the gospel didn't really come alive to me until my young adult years. I'd encountered God uh, myself as a teenager, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, became absolutely convinced God was real and personal. Uh, but it wasn't until really my young adult years, I tapped into an evangelical Christian university group, which mm. really helped to ground me in the scriptures. So I'd grown up in a Pentecostal church. I was quite aware of miracle signs, wonders, singing <laughs> yeah. in tongues in between choruses, you know, back <laughs> in the 80s. But it was it was really meeting my Baptist and Anglican and Presbyterian friends that got me digging into the word. And then wow. as a young adult at the age of 18 or 19, I plugged into a church, my own church away from my family, uh, where I saw both of those things operating together. Mm. A true word and spirit church, a powerful apostolic um, leader was in charge at the time, a gentleman by the name of Rob Rufus, oh, Rob and Glenda Rob, Rufus. Oh, taught me the gospel of grace. Oh my gosh. He is, he He's was like my a very friend, good friend of mine. Oh, oh my, my gosh, we got to interview Well, he is we so funny because he recommended your book. Yeah. I was watching his tapes 12 years ago in Huntsville, wow. Alabama, and yep. he taught me the gospel of grace, his videos, his original grace series. Like Rob is. And the I one mean, that, and Robin, the girl that gave her the book, he qualifies, he qualifies you. you. Yeah. She, that's how she learned grace also. Through, was through Rob, Rob. Through Rob's tapes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? No distance, small world in Huntsville, Alabama, 10 wow, so years he ago. He was your mentor. Wow. Mentor yeah, he was like my young adult pastor. And do you know, do you know wow. those formative, formative years of a, of a young adult? And um, wow. so I guess I saw under his ministry, both the gospel of grace preached. I mean, he wrote a book 20 something years ago called Living in the Grace of God. You know, the oh, grace yeah. of God is not just something you respond to at an altar call when right. you first come to Jesus. No, grace is something you live in. You live in the grace of God ongoingly. Yeah. Uh, the whole book of Galatians is not written as a evangelistic book to convince people to be saved by grace. It's a, written to Christians who have been saved by grace right. and need to keep walking in grace. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, keep walking in grace. So yeah. uh, that was very much a, a thrust of, of Rob's uh, teaching, and he had a strong teaching ability. So here, here I was seeing a man open the scriptures, uh, which my evangelical brothers helped teach me, but also at the same time operating in the power of God oh, with people totally. getting saved regularly uh, saw a woman come out of a wheelchair. It was on national television wow. here in Australia. Uh, I was there with a small group of people when that happened. We saw miracles. I was on the baptism team. There was oh, a period of maybe God. six months where we were baptizing people every single Sunday night. They got saved that morning, baptized that night. Wow. I was literally dragging people out of the baptism tank because they were unconscious. When they were placed underwater, they were literally what? knocked out under the power of oh, God. And to me- goodness. This was just normal because wow. I was a young adult and I just thought, well, this is just Christianity, you know? Oh, and uh, and so that's why I was stupid enough to believe that at the age of 23, we could plant our own church. Right, right. And you did it and for 20 years. Oh, my. I don't even know what to but say to all that. But you know what, what's Gee. so cool to me, though, is that mm. it's probably the longevity that you had and finished well was probably because you did have the spirit and the word. Yeah. You know, do you had that grounding in both? Because mm -hmm. it's just like one is not sustainable without the mm -hmm. other. I mean, to me, you know, it's like especially teaching yeah. and preaching every week. I mean, it's like that's so powerful. 
My gosh, you are friends with Rob Rufus. I, know, I thought really he cool. was like, he just wrote a forward for your book, but like, oh, well, right. he's kind of like, we'll sweet. get people to forward for right. our book that we don't, we don't know that well, but they're like, oh, they're, uh, we'll do that for them. But no, you're here. He's your friend. So your friend. you, so you insinuated that, you know, those glory days for you and seeing people go out under the water, you know, going out under the spirit, it what are you, we're real curious because, you know, with Asbury, I'm sure you're super aware of what happened at the, with the revival at Asbury that's now going across the globe. And we've been talking to people in our podcast just before you. I'd love to hear, what are you seeing in Australia? Are you seeing the beginning of a great awakening there? Yeah, there certainly are some churches right now, at least ones that are uh, active on social media. Not everyone's active, you know. Yeah. Some people keep these things, like Asprey. In some respects, were were uh, being quite uh, withdrawn Pro- in the protective. way that they were promoting themselves, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm aware of that. Uh, but uh, but here in Australia, yeah, there's certainly I've got some friends who are leading churches who are saying that they're in extended, you know, quote revival meetings. And uh, I've not present been there present myself, okay. so I don't know exactly the the weight or the height or right. you know of 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 that uh, aspect. Um, I guess I've been around long enough to know you can just have extended meetings to have extended meetings or there where there's something really special going right. on. And, um, yep. but there are people claiming that there are some really special things going on. Personally, I can't really speak to that just because, yeah. uh, where I'm located and just us getting our, uh, life into gear, uh, <laughs> we've not traveled to those places sure. as yet or, or whatever, but yeah. You know what, with, with what Australia has been through, you yeah. know, y'all have been on so much more of a lockdown, you know, so much more of an extended period, mm-hmm. you know, of for your country. What a time for that to, for the Holy Spirit to really come and just invade your country. Because, you know, we were saying it doesn't happen. Revival happens in community. Mm-hmm. And that's the very thing that the enemies come against, especially, particularly, I'd say, for your nation, you know? Yeah, look, similar to you, it was a state-by-state thing for us in Australia. Uh, And so that wasn't all that different. In South Australia, where I was in the COVID years, um, we certainly had more flexibility uh, where we were, very Mm -hmm. tight borders, which was basically the way we dealt with it. But, um, but yeah, at the back, at the back of that people getting back involved, uh, in community. And, uh, is that a coincidence? Was that part of the buildup? Is God sort of catching us up on the years that we'd (laughs) kind of lost with the, you know, this zooming as good as we might enjoy it now, you know, everyone's over the profit of zoom stuff, you know, (laughs) Um, and, uh, there's nothing like being in the room, you know, with, with people. But, um, but yeah, no, God certainly, you know, has never stopped moving. Are we experiencing a move of God in Australia? Well, of course we are because God's always moving his people on. God's always involved in breathing and blowing his spirit. And, um, but yeah, there are certainly patches and pockets of very special things happening around the place. But, you know, in my young adult years, I was certainly part of uh, a time where I took that for granted, uh, for granted. Granted, I took that, mm-hmm. that that was apostolic Christianity, signs, wonders, and, and a, a, a substantive word uh, was a part of normal church life. And wow. so, um, so yeah, now our church, when we planted, uh, we were very wet behind the ears. It was a very, we literally planted from scratch with four or five families uh, together who did not even know us. And so, you know, we didn't, while we came from that environment, we certainly didn't uh, instantly attain that environment. Yeah, sure. Talk about yeah. seven seven years of God just working in us mm. and developing who we were as people in our in our ministry gift. But um, mm. but yeah, back to your I guess your first question. That's where my 
teaching or or whatever gift you mm. might recognize on me okay that's basically where that that comes from from yeah. those young adult formative years uh and then just the the grind if you like of being a spirit and word community and leading a church uh, for for 20 years will just build that muscle in someone you know so we just appreciate y'all joining us and we've been referring a lot sometimes in our podcast you hear about this thing called father's house mm-hmm. and we just know that sometimes when you hear these incredible stories from these incredible guests, you wonder, how did these people learn this? Yeah. How did they have these kind of encounters? And so we want to tell you about a resource that Rachel and I have written that is going to give you that that more, the yeah. more lifestyle. Absolutely. So you can go to fathershousestudy.com. And we have an eight-week Bible study encounter. It's just going to walk you to the journey that you've heard a lot about in these podcasts. And we want to offer you a 20% discount. And we hope that you will check it out. We think it'll change your life forever. And it'll take you on a journey that leads home. I mean, Chad, through the years, what have you experienced as like, you know, just the revelation of God that you've had around the word and teaching the word and rightly dividing the word. What would you say for you? I mean, we can speak to what we feel like has made people like really come alive to the gospel of grace. What would you say has been the most, your most favorite part of teaching the gospel of grace where you're like, people just get it when I teach this, you know, what has that been for you? Well, okay. Okay. So this is where I'm a little bit different. All right. Okay. I love it. I, because I grew up in a family that where my pastor as a young kid was into grace, I grew up with it as a young adult with Rob Rufus as my pastor. He's now my next pastor. I don't know any different. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't, I hadn't experienced strict legalism. So right. I, I never had. A lot of people who get into grace as Christians are like, it's like I've been born again again. You know, I've <laughs> oh, like totally. had this new oh, yes. gospel. 100% uh, me. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So while I'm aware of those stories, the funny thing is I don't personally have that kind of story. Again, that's part of the privilege mm-hmm. I've come from. And so here's here's the clincher for me. When I wrote He Qualifies You, and it's funny you say your mentor handed it to you and said, this is the best book of grace that I've read. Yeah. I've heard that so many times from people, pastors, kids, other pastors saying, I've heard all this grace. I've been listening to Joseph Prince for years, or I've, yeah, I've really yeah. I've worked through Rob's series. But it's not until I read that, I'm like, click, 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 click. You know, wow. it just helped make things. For me, I didn't write a book on grace. That wasn't actually my motivation. Yeah. My motivation, there's there's two great preaching passions I have. It's preaching Jesus, like just mm-hmm. the, what I see as the gospel, you right. know, yeah. and then secondly, helping people to understand how the Bible works, yes. like helping people to read the Bible properly. Yeah. So when I wrote He Qualifies You, my intent wasn't to communicate quote, the gospel of grace to people, my intent was to help people see the Bible and that in order to understand the Bible, you need to understand covenant. And yeah. this is basically how covenant works. So it's kind of like for other people, yes, the subtitle of the book is Inheriting the Blessing Through the Gospel of Grace. Mm-hmm. But we only came up with that subtitle <laughs> after all the feedback we were getting oh, wow. of, of people saying, this is a great book on grace. I'm like, really? I wasn't even trying to write it on grace. <laughs> is there so any my other gospel? Is, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's no, that's it. If you if you rightly divide the word yeah. of truth, we're quoting 2 Timothy 2.15 there, yeah. right? Or, or I grew up with the NIV. So correctly handle the mm-hmm. word of truth. If you correctly handle truth, you will see grace. Yeah. If you correctly handle the truth, you will see the gospel. 
gospel. You will see the unfolding revelation mm. of God's grace. You don't have to look for it. Uh, it is it is just there. If you rightly divide the word of truth, you will see Jesus because the law, the prophets, the Psalms, they all point to him. Yeah. It all points to the good news of of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of grace. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's actually, that I, so I love funny. hearing you say that, yeah. you know, but, well, I but think to me, we're at the, the time, it wasn't my motivation. Oh, right. I, I think we're definitely the people who it's like that our eyes were opened for a second time. You know, we yeah. had our salvation sure. moment. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, I mean, I literally, I was thinking about this the other day. I read some book on grace. I can't remember now what it was. And, but I literally remember the chair that I was sitting in mm-hmm. and I remember my husband coming downstairs into the kitchen in our keeping room. And I remember saying to him, I feel like I just got born again. Oh, wow. And I'd been born again for 20 years at this point. Yeah. But, and, and I remember that whole week for about a week, I was completely unruffable. Like you, you couldn't ruffle my feathers. Like mm-hmm. I, it, nothing disturbed me. Nothing bothered me. I remember Kevin just like out of the blue brought flowers home to me. And I think it was just he was responding to just this. Uh, the, the I was enjoying shalom, yeah, just peace and joy that I had not had in my experience of Jesus yeah. and in a Father God. So I'd love to ask you, you know, just more specifically, you know, speaking of covenants, I think people hear that and it's like, well, why is that important? Why do why should I be able to rightly divide the covenants? What does that even mean? And why is that important for me? As I read the word. <laughs> Great question. I mean, correctly handling the word of truth or rightly dividing the scriptures isn't only about covenants, but it's certainly a significant consideration. And it's right there in the word Old and New Testament. There's no difference in the Greek anyway, the way we translate uh, the Bible, uh, between the word testament and the word covenant. So when Jesus uh, you know, took the took the cup at the Last Supper and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. You read the older, I think King James Version would say, this is the blood of a new testament. Okay, it's the same thing. So the very fact that every time we pick up our Bible, even though I don't personally like this distinction, but anyway, every time we pick up the Bible, it says Old Testament, New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's basically telling you this is a book of covenant and it's a book of covenants, plural. And and so, yeah, but essentially in very basic terms, a covenant uh, is a way of describing a, a relational agreement. So it's similar to a contract, not exactly the same, <laughs> but similar to a contract in that someone has an agreement uh, in, a, in a relationship of some kind. Here in Australia, we really only use the word covenant when it comes to land. There's a, there might be a covenant on a block of land, okay. uh, but um, but in, in ancient times, there'll be covenants between people, uh, maybe with kings or with gods or between uh, other people. It was just a relational agreement. We are going to agree to do this, this and that. And the point is, as you read through the scripture, God offers his people, the community, the covenant community, a couple of different covenants. And I see three major ones. There are Mm -hmm. minor ones like Noah and David and even Phineas, I think, uh, uh, a priest. But the three major ones in the scripture are represented by the three men that the New Testament speaks about more than any other men. The, uh, The three Old Testament characters, so to speak, of Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. Okay, yeah. these three men Paul writes about uh, more than any others uh, because they represent these three major covenants. And often, when it comes to teaching on grace, and this is where I differ, I guess a little bit. He qualifies you as a little bit different to other books on on grace. Let's yeah. say <laughs> is because a lot of grace teaching focuses, like the Book of Hebrews does, on the old versus the new, the Moses 
versus the Jesus. But in my mind, we have to go even before Moses to really understand. We have to start at Abraham uh, to understand what the law covenant or the Moses covenant look like. And so in very, very simple terms, I'll give you a very quick synopsis. These three covenant agreements represented by Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. God comes to Abraham and says, mate, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bless your kids because they're your kids, because they're your children. I'm going to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And so as we see in that first part of our Bible from Genesis 12 all the way through to Mount Sinai and Exodus, we see God blessing his people, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and the boys. And he blesses them not because they're well behaved, Mm -hmm. because in fact, they are very poorly, Mm -hmm. very poorly Mm -hmm. behaved. He doesn't bless them because of their attitude. He doesn't bless them because of their worship. He doesn't bless them because of their obedience. Mm -hmm. He blesses them because that's what he promised to do to Abraham and his kids. The only thing that qualified Abraham's descendants for God's special blessing was the fact that they were born as Abraham's children. It was their pedigree, if you like, their birthright, Mm -hmm. that they were born as Abraham's kids and that qualified them for the blessing of God. But then that changed when Moses went on to Mount Sinai and God offered his people another covenant. And he said to them, listen, I'll bless you if you obey me. Well, hang on, that sounds a bit different. Not I'll bless you just because you're children of Abraham. No, 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 no. I'll bless you if you obey. Oh, and by the way, comma, I will curse you if you disobey. And Moses comes down the mountain, says that to the people, and this disobedient group of people who can't even pick up bread properly, okay, who can't (laughs) even observe the Sabbath, who can't even obey God in the previous chapters, they say, that's fine with us. We agree. We will base our relationship from here on in with God on our behavior, on our level of obedience. God, you will bless us when we obey, but you can curse us when we disobey. And three times they agree to that arrangement. Three times they're at Mount Sinai. They say yes verbally. And then, uh, Uh, Moses kills an animal, sprinkles blood over the people. It's a bit gross for those listening, but Mm. sprinkles blood over them to say, listen, this is a serious thing you're entering into now. You're entering into a relationship with God where he will bless you if you obey and curse you if you disobey. And they said, that's fine with us. And that's why after Mount Sinai, you see God treating his people very differently. Mm -hmm. Before Mount Sinai, they'd break the Sabbath, like when they were picking up manna and Well, the manna would go rotten, but God wouldn't curse them. He'd just give them manna the next day. Like, no worries, guys. I'll just feed you again. Now, on the other side of the mountain, when they break the Sabbath, God orders their execution. When they complain before they reach Mount Sinai, God keeps blessing them. But now when they complain on the other side of the mountain, as they continue their journey, God curses them. And this is what you see. God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't have, you know, multiple personality disorder or some type of, you know, menopausal issue. Okay. No, no, no. He's not he's not out of control. God knows what he's doing. He's upholding his end of the deal. I'll bless you if you obey, but I'll curse you if you you disobey. And that's the relationship, the up and down yo-yo relationship that God has with his people for 1,400 years until Jesus comes with a glass of wine and says, I'm now bringing about a new covenant. Would you accept that glass? Would you drink it with me? And would you enter into a new form of relationship with God, a third covenant, a new covenant? And so my proposal is simply this. Under the Abrahamic era, people qualified for God's blessing because of their pedigree. The fact that they were Abraham's kids, nothing more. 
nothing less. In the Moses era, what qualified you for God's blessing was your performance, not just your pedigree. Yeah, you had to be Hebrew, but you also had to perform. Under Christ, what qualifies you is not your pedigree and it's not your performance. It's your position. Mm -hmm. The fact that you are positioned in the perfect son, the perfect the, the, the Christ who has the perfect pedigree and the one who perfectly performed obedience to the law on your behalf. Yeah. He had the perfect pedigree, the perfect performance. And as Paul says in, in Philippians, when I am positioned in him, yeah. I have a righteousness that is gifted to me. And I consider my pedigree being born of Benjamin, circumcised yeah. on the eighth day, I consider that as rubbish. My performance, being a Pharisee, persecuting Christians, obeying the law, I consider that rubbish. Those things used to mean something to me, but now that I'm in Christ, they are nothing to me because they now mean nothing to God mm -mm. in the sense of my basis of my relationship with him is based not on my pedigree, not on my performance, but on my position because it's who Jesus is and what he did that really matters. And that is the new covenant. And as we read through the scripture and you see a God that you think looks different, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different to the God of the new. No, 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 no. It's just a different relationship that he's yeah. operating under with people. And I'm just so grateful, girls, <laughs> that we live oh my in this side of history. Come I mean, on. Why would you choose any? I, I can't even imagine being at Mount Sinai and like, I'm just like, I mean, like, stop. what my question I don't is, like, do that. yeah, I like, like I wonder what would have happened. I mean, he gave them three opportunities to say, we can't do this. Yeah. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of the point is he was saying, is this the covenant you want to be in? And they said, yes, we can do it. We'll do that. Right. It I, seems that way. And, and and when you get to the book of Hebrews, and I think it's in the Psalms, uh, they, they quote that, that verse that says, you know, blood sacrifices and offerings. I did not. You did not. You did not desire. That's oh, right. what? You never desired them? Uh -huh. But he demanded them in that covenant. So yeah. God offered them something that he didn't desire. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah. But he but gave them the so opportunity. Cool. What's well, so fascinating is that it all came down to we want it to be on some level. We want to control it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, we just, mm -hmm. we're just like come out of the womb. Just, just give wanting me my, to yeah. make it, fix it ourselves. Uh -huh. God, it's fascinating yeah but you know I, i've all one thing i've always had a question about is you know the invitation out of egypt was i'm going to take you you know th i'm going to give you this promised land you're going to be the treasured nation all this stuff and everything seems to be great until they get into the wilderness and in in mount sinai happens i mean do you ever think to yourself i wonder if this was it i, I mean i'm just gonna be honest it feels like that's plan b <laughs> That doesn't feel like plan A. I mean, does yeah. anybody else think that way? Yeah. What would you say to well, that? I've been dying to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly we know that the 40 years of wandering wasn't plan, right. uh, yes. plan A, no, you no. know. Although everything we say when yeah. it comes to God's serenity, you look back over covenant history or uh, redemptive history. Some traditions say I prefer covenant history. But you look back over covenant history and you go, oh, there was a reason for now all I that. You know, the it. 40 years yeah. uh, speaks to this reality in the New Testament and well, the lessons true. they learn and the example that they provided. So yeah. it's all in redemptive history. It's all oh, fine, yeah. you know, at the end oh, of the yeah. day. But it was clear that God wanted them to go to the promised land. It was clear yeah. that when the 10 spies whinged and complained and moaned about the giants and we're just grasshoppers yeah. and we can't do it, blah, 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 that God was upset with them and said, well, 
you've made a decision now and uh, that's it, you're not going in, you know, and that's your fault uh, yeah. for doing that. So yeah. so there's certainly, they they paid the price and then God can redeem all those things, Romans 8, 28, because of course, that's just what he does. Yeah. Right? But but the, the giving mm. of the law and the, the encountering God at Sinai, there were some valuable things that happened there. You know, that, that those, the, the, the people, the children of Israel, as they're often called, became a nation that day. Yeah. And uh, they, in order to be preserved, they needed their own culture. Remember, they, yeah. it would yeah. seem, didn't really have their own culture. They didn't have traditions. They didn't have yeah. uh, their own currency. They didn't have their own calendar. Uh, and so in order to keep them wow. as a people, they needed a block of land. Okay, yeah. they needed an army, and a lot of that uh, the Torah is about their the army gathering. Yeah. They needed traditions that would keep them uh, cohesive as a yeah. society, and some wow. could argue has done so for thousands of years. Oh so yes. part of the giving of the law was giving them those public holidays, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and those traditions and that sense of ownership that we are not Egypt. But you look yeah. like Egyptians. You've been there for hundreds of years. No, we're not Egypt. Yeah. We're a distinct populace. We're our own people, and we have our own land and our own destiny, and we can tie it back to Abraham, but we were never Egyptians. Even though we've lived there for hundreds of years, no, that's not what we are. We are yeah. our own people. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of advantages that God did have to uh, or did in his wisdom uh, give them a cohesive sense of identity. But the thing of mm, of tying all of that into their relationship with him, yeah. well, that's that's uh, that could be another thing together. To base God's blessing on our obedience or disobedience, that is the clincher for me that just turns a bringing together a community mm. to making a whole new covenant with God. Yeah. Because yeah, Chad, traditions can be yeah. Traditions can be good even in church life. Oh, traditions totally. can be good, yeah. habits can be good, all these but when those traditions when you base your your vertical relationship yes. with God on those traditions, yes. that's when you get into trouble. You think, well it's my doing this at church, it's my right. taking the Eucharist this many times a year or yeah. my doing that ritual that that gets me right with God. Now, nah, those things can help you and your community stay together yeah. and stay yeah. focused and stay healthy, but it doesn't relate to your relationship with God is based on covenant, mm -hmm. and that is the covenant that Christ yeah. has made yeah. with us. And I think what's hard so is that so much of the Old Testament is this Mosaic covenant you know, mm. that's that relationship. And all and the so, stories. Yeah, you, I mean, so you read so much through that lens mm -hmm. without realizing, well, that's their covenant. That's not my covenant. Yeah. And so while I can learn from it and, and see how God was being revealed to them, you know, providing from them all those things, there's still like, I think that if you don't come to it with an understanding, that's not your covenant you can get really thrown off by that. Oh my God, you can, uh, yeah. Well, even you talking about, you know, wandering around in the desert and God was angry. It's like, oh, I don't know that God anymore. I mean, you know, it almost feels so hard for me to even remotely yeah. think of him being angry anymore just because I've been in the new covenant so long. Okay, this is a hard right turn. You got one no, last time. No, come. So really fast, like <laughs> what would you say about people who just, are all about the sovereignty of God. I would just love to hear your thoughts on how people just really want to blame God with the word sovereignty. They just want to put the bad things on him that have happened in their lives and call it sovereignty and call it allowed and call it, you know, all these things. Like, how do you explain sovereignty if you were preaching a message today in the, in the light of grace? Wow. 
Now, you know, I'm wondering whether I've actually ever addressed that uh, that publicly. One, well, one no, of the funny no. things about... Here's you your, can right here's now. Here's your Go chance. Ahead. We'll put yeah, it on YouTube. Just, <laughs> just do that. That's right. That's right. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things about America and, and Australia, one of the differences, is because you're so much bigger yeah. and because your Christian community is so much bigger... Your, commu- your Christian community is far more extensive than us. Mm-hmm. And so you do have more pockets yeah, mm-hmm. diversity, and more expressions, yeah. okay, yeah. far more diversity. And so issues that you might face in America where there's a significant pocket of people who are oh, full so on into this, yeah. we might be like, never heard of it. Don't know what you're talking <laughs> wow. about. What you, what, do you, what do you mean King James only? What are you, what are you talking about? I've never oh. heard about that in my life. What do you mean snake handling? No one does that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, that's America. That happens in America, you know. And so, and so, awesome. so in the, wow. so I can say when, when you ask things about sovereignty, mm-hmm. I, I'd struggle to answer that in a cultural context, be, uh, only yeah. in that I don't know what necessarily what you're speaking to there might be a whole movements of churches in america that you and your listeners have in mind that i've got no yeah i've got no idea about yeah um but i think when i hear that question the funny thing is i never went to bible college so yes. so you, you can assess how good a bible teacher i am now but uh, i never went to bible college <laughs> but so i did go to you. that's right yeah that's right <laughs> he qualifies you chad <laughs> that's don't you right. remember that's right don't forget he qualifies <laughs> don't you forget. That's right. um but i did do philosophy and I went to university and I did philosophy and I did legal studies, which actually helped me probably to think well. Yes. Okay. And a lot of any discussion I've heard on serenity and a lot of the times why it doesn't really tend to go anywhere uh, healthy in, in debates, mm-hmm. right, is because it's really the same discussion philosophers have had over fatalism and determinism and mm. those type of things. It's just yeah. adding God into the mix, you know, right. what is just fatalistic and what is what is up to you. So... I don't want to cop out, opt out of that that uh, that question, Rachel. I don't want to, but I'm, <laughs> okay. I don't have a I don't have a ready, easy answer for it now off the top of my head, and it's probably because I either haven't spoken about it yeah. properly recently, or I'm hesitant to answer a question I don't know what your listeners are thinking when they think yeah. sovereignty. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so, it's so, so incredibly fair. I mean, I just had a discussion with my daughter today, and she was like, "I don't understand why God's allowing this to happen to me." And, oh, my gosh, like nothing rubs me worse than hearing my own child who's been under grace. Now, half, you know, she's 15 and one one quarter, one third of that 15 was under total mixture law dog. I mean, I was Mm. a law dog. So, you know, but at the end of the day, like I'm just like, Campbell, this is not God allowing. She was like, but he's in charge. And I'm just like. There is an enemy and he's coming to destroy us. He knows there is a destiny on your life. And so I'm just like real world parenting. Like when bad things happen to our kids and when bad things happen to people that we know, you know, that whole God allows is allowing. I mean, that's just so hard. I just wonder how you talk about that within grace and with the enemy. Yeah, well, I certainly, you know, it's the mystery of what we don't know. But yeah. the certainty of what we do know, yeah, and because I mean, I'm 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 not an idiot. I, I've been through suffering. We go through things in our life, and get exactly same with our parenting. We see people go through things that we can't articulate and explain. Yeah, yeah. we know we have to live in the tension and the mystery mm-hmm. of the kingdom now, and not fully yet. You know yes. that that type of thing. And so, 
what we don't do is blame God. And at the same time, what we don't do is blame the devil for everything. You know, right. some things are spirit, some things are spirit, some things are soul, some things are body. Yeah. Um, some good, things yeah. is, is, is someone sick and they've just been smoking cigarettes their whole life. You're not yeah. going to, God's not cursing you, you know, right. yeah. and, uh, and don't blame the devil. You uh, there's just a physical, <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's just a physical thing yeah. that, that, that happened there, you know, and, um, and the other things are spirit. And that's where it comes into walking in mystery and walking in wisdom. Yeah. And the, uh, life is dynamic. Life is complex. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the fact that there are no simple answers, uh, on complex issues is, is the reason that Come back to what we started with. You need to be walking with the Spirit. That's right. Uh, because the Word of God is always true, but it's not necessarily formula, 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 formulaic. Formulaic. Thank yeah. you. Formulaic. It's not necessarily, yeah, you know, and we need to be walking in the Spirit. And so even when I teach on hermeneutics, you know, my mm -hmm. book, You Can Handle the Truth, yeah. there is a science to it. Yeah, there are things that you could do that just follow the process, follow the steps. She'll be right, mate. This is how it works. Yeah. But there's other things. It's an art. And and there can be different answers for different people at different times and different seasons as to so how the true. Bible might apply to you. For example, there might be uh, an application for me would be different to an application for you on certain things. It doesn't mean truth has changed, no. but there's an art as well when it comes to applying and when it comes to discerning. Mm -hmm. And so part of maturity and so for my kids and for yours is living in the mystery that it's not a mystery that God is good. That's, right. not that's not a mystery. Right. It's not a mystery that God, good, devil, bad. Okay, that, that yeah. that's not a mystery. Mm -hmm. uh, that, yes, there are mysteries, but that's part of our um, maturity process. Yes. If yeah. we knew everything, we wouldn't need God. You right. Know, so good, good thanks Chad. For, thanks for talking about Sorry, that. Sorry, I had to take no, a right turn. Good. I, was no, like, I, know I got it's a, a teacher in front it's of me. It's a passionate, <laughs> well, it's like me with the, the question about the schizophrenic God. <laughs> Um, so there is a, a teaching that I heard that you gave recently called the three brides and mm. um, it just it caught my attention because for me it was the the very first time I ever heard God speak to me was through he told me I was the, his beautiful spotless bride and so that, wow yeah so that um that metaphor analogy reality whatever you want to call it was it just grasped my heart so mm -hmm. i would love to hear what it, why are you passionate cuz you said can we talk about that <laughs> i would love to hear what are you why are you so passionate about that message and what would you what would you want people who are listening to know there's a, there's a few things about that one's personal that i can't get into but that you girls would understand uh, if I, if I, well, we'll put it this way. Remember I said before covenant Yeah. Uh, in Australia uh, typically only has to do with land. Okay. Well, right now my wife and I are facing a, an, a particular issue yeah. about our land where we live. Okay. And a friend of ours, a prophetic friend from Sydney, her name's Izzy Dejasini. She's a, a top prophet here in Australia. Oh. And she called us and she said, I had a vision for you. I was praying for your uh, situation there at home. And I had a vision for you about a mackerel on a hook. And she said, mackerel can speak of prostitution. And there was something about uh, not taking the bait of prostitution uh that, that had been presented to you. And that might sound weird. Now, to a 21st century audience, you kind of hear that and you think, well, what does prostitution mean to me? Well, prostitution mm. means that I might take 
uh, money for um, right. for yeah. unsanctified purposes, perhaps yeah. you know something yeah. something like that. So a dream interpreter or a vision interpreter might hear that, and then prostitution goes towards money. Chad, God's giving you a warning about not taking money through ill-gotten gain. Okay, well, no, that's not what it said to me. I've recently been reading through the prophets, the minor prophets, and prostitution is often used by God in the old covenant mm-hmm. to speak to His people when they were unfaithful to covenant. Mm -hmm. They were unfaithful to covenant, and God said it's like you've prostituted yourself. And the reason for that is that God called his people his wife. God called his people his bride. And so he said, when you are unfaithful to me, it's like a wife being unfaithful to a husband. It's like you're, dare I use the word, being a whore. Okay, You're whoring yourself. You're, You're engaging illegitimate worship in the old testament is explained as Ill- like illegitimate sex you know mm-hmm. it's like it's it's engaging and and sleeping around with other men in, in that gender role so when i heard that prostitution that's where my mind went to mm-hmm. and the warning was about being faithful to covenant a mm. faithful to a covenant arrangement that was in place okay so there you go so wow. there's a little yeah. personal vision that sparked a thought in my mind wow. uh about the idea that god's people are his wife and that uh, being unfaithful to covenant is akin to prostitution. So when mm-hmm. I spoke in that friend's church a couple of weeks ago, that's a teaching I brought. I thought, listen, there might be something prophetically on this, not just for me, but for others. Yeah. So I'm going to speak about God's people being his wife. And secondly, you know, God's people being his wife is just a truth that's good seven days a week. So let's sure. just talk about something that's true. And here's that plays into a, a strength of mine. And one of the things I love doing as a Bible teacher is I am a big picture guy. Mm-hmm. Like the he qualifies you uh, is a small book like you said it's really thin but it gives a big picture of the bible like yeah. it, it's literally it shows the, the journey of the bible through the lens of covenant and so in that teaching karen when i spoke about god's three brides it was a similar thing i want to show a big picture story mm. of god's relationship with his people through history and how over that period god called his people his wife and if if we understand the unfolding story of god's people he actually has and this is going to sound a little bit clickbaity it's going to sound a bit weird <laughs> but god actually has three wives in the scripture okay mm. israel and judah two mm. wives that the prophet point out and then obviously the bride of christ come the new testament so if that sounds a little strange to people uh then hey you're just going to have to listen to that teaching yeah. and check it out on we'll youtube <laughs> No problem, no problem. But it also is a great way to do uh, to frame the uh, some Old Testament history, and so that's yeah. what I was hoping to do that day. I've got a feeling you two, among other things, are probably Bible nerds, and so <laughs> something like walking through Old Testament history would be quite entertaining for yeah. you, I suspect. Oh, yeah. totally. I was telling Karen even before we came on tonight. I was like, I was listening to your teaching on intertestamental and to the four hundred years in between, in between the old covenant and the new and um i was like i mean i was like karen have you ever heard of the word diaspora <laughs> i love new words and i was like diaspora i was like i think it's, is it diaspora diaspora I think- whatever i said it alabama <laughs> style and so it was so funny i was like when we were in israel did anybody talk about the diaspora and she was like no but i knew what that meant i was like oh okay sorry i just love but it can i, I go back you. for just one second to the bride thing because i i think this is something that a lot of people miss mm. is what was going on at the last supper at the table as it relates to the bride mm. so my my understanding 
uh, is that in, in Jewish culture at the time, one of the ways that a groom would propose, let's mm -hmm. say, to a bride-to-be would be to go to her parents' house, sit down at a meal, and pour a glass of wine and offer it to her. So yeah. yes, in that culture, there was a uh, a degree of an arrangement in, mm -hmm. in the marriages in the sense that the families had discussed beforehand who's a good yeah. family to marry and yeah. all that's very normal in ancient culture and even certain cultures today. Uh, but my understanding of the research that I've read, this is not in the Bible, but mm -hmm. it's one of those, right. you know, first century Jewish culture things. Sure. You're like, well, I hope that's true as yeah. I repeat it, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but one of those, uh, uh, one of those things where that, that could be a way that a groom would propose, wow. uh, would demonstrate and give her the opportunity to accept or decline that offer. And so, yeah, some people believe that the the offering of a glass of wine, that there's also the marriage motif. There's a, right. uh, motif is a literary term. It basically means yeah. it's a way of saying a theme, you know, yeah. this, this theme that goes through the scripture. Yeah. Well, the marriage motif is also demonstrated there uh, that evening with Jesus proposing uh, to his bride and saying, I'm offering you a new covenant. Yeah. Wow. I see. I just think that's so. Oh my gosh! Did you, you know that? No, I, I thought that I heard that from you. I think that I, I heard that in one of your teachings, but and I've heard it before. I just think it's so. It's, it's such. It, yeah, it's so so, so beautiful, and it's and it's that whole twist of like it's a table full of men. I oh, know, you know, and that can be a little bit weird. And yet, you know, I'm so grateful that I'm a woman because it's so easy for me to. Oh, look totally. at Jesus as my bridegroom yeah. and relate to him that way. Yeah. And I'm thankful as, you know, being a female, being a woman, being mm -hmm. able to relate in that way. But I, I think it's a beautiful picture of what happened there. And then the last question I have as it relates to the bride, this is something that's that I literally just got through looking up with this word men in Greek is is when he says, you know, the, his bride has made her that the fine linen was given to her clean and white and that his bride has made herself ready. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, I thought he makes me ready. So to say his bride has made herself ready. I don't know. I, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I feel like it's, it, I think what it does for me is it gets me back into this works mindset of like, Oh my gosh, I have to get myself ready. Like, like I got a mikvah and I got to yeah, do all like, these things. You know, because yeah. a bride does do a ton of work ton. before a wedding. So yeah. I don't know. Just is there anything you would comment on about that? Because I think that's a little bit of a struggle for me. Well, if you didn't get yourself ready, would he reject you? No. This, this groom <laughs> is that the question. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, uh, did I ask the wrong person that? This is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, no, I still haven't heard your story. <laughs> you can edit that out, Will. No, it's good. It's great. It's great. Sorry, I actually don't, because I don't know your story. I don't know how if that's a sensitive. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not a sensitive no. area. She no. did get married. She's I did finally make it married. down the aisle. It took me a couple. She it took it, me a number of tries, but but I did finally get get there. But I yeah, it. I mean, it's just I'm. It's a. It's just something I hear those words has made herself ready. And it it feels like, oh, gosh, what are what are we supposed to do? Like, what do I what happens if I'm not ready? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like a posture of the heart to say yes. I know. I guess I'm overthinking. I mean, maybe. I don't we'll know. Let him well, answer well, it. Big T teacher, tell us. <laughs> hey, that's your title, not mine. <laughs> Look, every... Um, I think that one of the things, the first thing that comes to mind there is that every metaphor um, is not complete, is, is not comprehensive, mm 
Mm. It's complete in and of itself, but it doesn't describe uh, every aspect. You know, when you're reading uh, the prodigal son's story, for example, you're not meant to go, what do the pigs represent? You know, oh, I wonder what, what, why did Jesus use the word pig uh, when he was eating, eating, uh, he wanted to eat the pig food or whatever, you know, uh, why, what's, what's the meaning? You know, it's just part of the story, mm. you know, uh, it's not like the, the main thing. I wonder, there's certain metaphors in the scripture uh, that, that don't present the whole picture. I, I don't know what a bride had to do uh, yeah. to get herself ready. I haven't yeah. read that up in a while or what that would have meant to the audience. It just may have meant that she's ready, you know, yeah. uh, and that the groom wouldn't reject her when he came because that's he's coming for her, ready or not. Like yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's coming for her type of thing. He's not going to get there and say, your makeup's not good enough. See you later. I've been building this yeah. house for you. I've been gone for two years building an extension, uh, a house with many rooms that now I'm coming to finally get you and your, your eyeshadow is not the right color. I mean, <laughs> come on. I just, I'm giggling <laughs> because my husband, I was his first wife. Well, obviously, he'd never been married. So, of course, I was his first wife, but he was my third <laughs> husband. And so it was so funny, though, when we got married, his big thing was like, please, please wear normal makeup. Like, just just please, God, look like yourself when you get to the church. That's and funny. we weren't even getting married in a church. But he was like, I hated prom because every time my date would show up, I didn't recognize her. Uh, that's a riot. <laughs> so I think it's getting prom. ready like. Look, be well, who you funny, are. Be who you in, are. And that too is, I'm ready. Yeah. Is that, I, like, in other words, I'm so ready for him to come mm-hmm. and get me. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm hearing now in, in that word. Even. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny how we can overthink these we things. We teach ourselves right yeah, there. <laughs> I know. I know. And maybe it's just part of the part of the story. How do you finish that love story? You say yeah. that the bride's got herself ready for his return. Yeah. But it does does it say the bride had to get herself ready or the bride, right, you know, right. and, that, and that's where preachers, you can read something that's happened. It's part of the story. The bride's made herself, you're getting sucked into a narrative, you know, you're getting mm. sucked into this, this great story and you can imagine because th- people 2000 years ago didn't have a Bible, right? Yeah. They're listening to this. Yeah. They're imagining that in their mind, they're listening to the, the, the Bible is not written to be read. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was written to be heard because yeah. it was designed for a congregation to hear it. And so they're imagining the bride getting ready. <laughs> uh, it's modern day or preachers that take that. They want to break down every verse yeah. and go, well, see, that means we must get ourselves ready. Yeah. And this is what it means. Of course, it means you have to tithe to my church. Okay. <laughs> right. That's what it means. So this is the error that, that preachers make. And that's in, in a sense, comes back to hermeneutics. It's not right. rightly handling yeah. right. the word of God and taking something that one of the chapters in the did you guys read? Yes, you can handle I the love truth? you can handle. That's what I was just going to say. Okay. Can you tell anyone listening? So, so Chad wrote a book called "You Can Handle the Truth," taken straight out of a few good men for all of us Americans. Because <laughs> you can't. No, it handle. wasn't. I was just kidding. Yeah. I was just kidding. No, I love it. I love it so much. And the book is so fantastic. It is like to me, it's like an exponential version of "He Qualifies You." Where did you write it? Kind of as like the click you know, the double click on everything and he qualifies you. I mean, cause it felt like, and it felt like the best expansion of how to read the word mm-hmm. within grace. I wanted to do a comprehensive book on hermeneutics. Okay. Yeah. Hermeneutics is a fancy word that means how to interpret the Bible, how to read it, how to interpret it and how to understand it properly. I wanted to do a, a comprehensive book uh, on that from start to finish. And so understanding covenant, he qualifies you, is a part of that. 
but so also is understanding chronology, the whole story yeah. of the Bible. And so we get back to our discussion before about the, the three brides. You've got to understand mm. Old Testament history and know what you're reading. So is understanding certain things of application, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it is, he qualifies you, I guess, is squeezed into one chapter mm -hmm. of you can handle the truth. But the wow. idea of you can handle the truth is really to give uh, is to give people an understanding of how to handle the Bible from start to mm. from start to finish. Oh, and it's and so, so yeah. like and good because there's so few books that have the revelation of grace that goes with that. Yeah. They're explaining hermeneutics with a mixture of law and grace, and yeah. that is like. Oof. Well, and what I love is, I, Chad, tell them, aren't you doing an, an eight-session course? This will be like a, a, a video series, or is it yeah, a live? Yeah, a a video course in a proper studio, so it okay. doesn't look like this. Okay, <laughs> now it's actually been recorded. We're just starting to package it uh, now. We've uh, had a few people who've given to our studio here. We've got exclusive access at the moment, uh, but people can go on YouTube if they uh, just again look up my name, look up my channel. Yeah. I've put lesson one uh, on YouTube, ready to go for I've anyone to see. So to yeah, it. very good. So great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so look, seven sessions. We've beta tested it in uh, our church with with a small group, with a workbook and that kind of thing, where yeah. you sit down with a small group. You know, you watch the video, go home, read those chapters, come back the next week, discuss that whole mm -hmm. uh, kind of situation. But really, does have that mentoring down the camera. I don't speak this fast. Okay, I uh, speak very. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's great. That, it's that do you down, still down use the your camera hands? conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, I, I think the whole time I'm holding a Bible, so I try to limit my. <laughs> My uh, my hand expressions there, yeah. Or I just get too hot, you know. Yeah. If I if I I, I want to tell you a story, and then I want you to pray for somebody that's listening that is, they just haven't had revelation of the covenants, and they haven't had revelation of His goodness, and they're in it. You know, I want I would love for you to pray for that person who's listening. Like, man, I'm just like. I'm just out here fledgling, trying to just believe that he's good, you know? So, but I want to tell you this before my husband grew up in a church and he said one Sunday, he will never forget the elder stood up and he said, well, if the King James version was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough oh. for us. <laughs> no way. Oh yes. Oh yes way. And Rod was just like, I don't think you know history. <laughs> Jesus loved his Elizabethan Jesus English. Loved it. Uh, Jesus just loved yeah. it so much. Anyway, it just cracks me up every yeah. time. So will you, Chad, we just love you. We honor you. This is, I hope, the beginning of um, many more conversations because, I mean, you are and so I mean, fascinating. I'm super excited for our audience to to find you. Same. And you're just a, a wealth of, of knowledge and just love the way you express yourself. So thanks mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, girls. Really appreciate your time. Yep. Yeah. So will you pray just as we close? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, Dad, we thank you for the mm. spirit of wisdom mm. and revelation that is given to us so that we may know you better. And uh, the whole reason that you sent Jesus, the whole reason we have the written word is uh, not so that we can know a Bible, but it's so that we can know you mm. and we can know you in authentic, intimate and unhindered reality. And uh, Lord, I pray for those who are struggling, as it were, to grasp uh, a next revelation of grace. In fact, I just want to say everyone listening to me now does have a revelation of grace yeah. and you're wanting to take them to that next level like a spiral staircase. 
you come to the same truth again, just from a different height. Mm. Same truth again, mm. just from a different height. Father, may all of us grow in our knowledge of you mm. and grow in the grace of God. Mm. And for those who specifically feel they need breakthrough in this area, uh, I pray that, Lord, you would direct them to the right voices, the right resources, that you would open their ears to hear your whispers of kindness and love to them and meet them where they are at. And uh, I believe you can do this, and I believe you will. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. 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 Chad, thank you so much for joining us. So grateful. So great to meet you. (laughs) Girls, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the There's More podcast. Check out the show notes. We've got a 14-day spiritual warfare course that you can take, as well as the code. If you'd like to join us in the Father's House Bible study, thanks so much for listening.